Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Tom. We are Team Binge. We are here to talk about Masters of the Air, and we will be discussing episodes three and four. We apologize for the delay, but sometimes wars have to wait for true detectiving. So we're <laughs> back now. We are very quickly going to go through these episodes. Tom, I felt like when I first watched the show, there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to like clarify and clean up. Um, now I just feel like I'm enjoying the show and all of the absolute madness that was going on during World War II over the, <laughs> over the continents as these guys went and dropped bombs. The one thing I will say about this show from the top is, do you find it confusing trying to remember who is who? Yes, I think very much so. I think even my wife kind of called out like a lot of these guys look very similar and like they're all wearing that same kind of big puffy jacket and everything. It's very difficult to kind of tell who's who. And I think even in episode four is they're bringing in like new guys and new crew, which makes sense. Like that's kind of how this thing goes where they're rotating in guys constantly. Uh, it is it is a bit more challenging to to follow them all. What I thought was funny is there's like, I would argue Biddick is probably maybe the more unique looking character. And they were like, guess what? Not going to be with us very long. So <laughs> everyone's going to look the same. Also, if anyone has a mustache, they're all going to look pencil thin and similar to the other guys. So <laughs> yeah. good luck. I feel like the only guy they gave a different jacket to is is Bucky, right? Or, or not Bucky, but Buck. Egan. Like they give him that more... I don't know, like lighter colored jacket, which is pretty, pretty cool. I don't yeah, know how he got the special one. Which apparently is historically accurate. He had like mm. a lighter, like sheepskin mm -hmm. jacket. So it does help for, although, <laughs> I mean, there are two main characters and you can tell the difference between Austin Butler uh, mm -hmm. and Egan. So I don't need help there show. I need help with everyone else. Like maybe just plaster a name tape across their, across their forehead. <laughs> Because also they're constantly wearing oxygen masks and you're like, mm -hmm. wait, who is that? Who just died? <laughs> Who's still with us? Anyways, let's dive into episode three. We're not going to go scene by scene, but this is the one where uh, I just love this. They're like super pumped. They're like, listen, we're going to put as many planes in the air as possible. This is going to be the largest air armada. And you know, some general was like, guess what, guys? We're going to put them all in the air. And then that guy's lackey was like, Sir, great idea. Let's put them all in the air. And then that slowly came down to the pilots, and the pilots are like, wait, what are we doing? This sounds like a crazy plan. And sure enough, it is. So they are doing this like combination, uh, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce any of these towns right, but it's Regensburg and like Swinehoven something. I don't know. The funniest thing I thought here is the S2, the guy that gives the weather report, Tom, uh, his nickname is Stormy. I found that very funny. He's yes. like, listen, there's going to be clouds. And then when he's done, the CO's like, thanks, Stormy. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I wonder if every S2, every Intel officer was named Stormy or if that guy just had the uh, the, the nickname. That was great. Mm -hmm. That's also what's fun about, well, I guess they don't really do it in this show, but mainly pilots have like call signs. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess none of the other ones do. They've got nicknames, but not really call signs other than other than. Well, Stormy. it's funny, though, because this, this S2 Intel officer, his, his name is actually Steve Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
happened to call Stormy for some reason. Uh, I hate you. I hate you. I can't believe I laughed so hard at that joke. Oh, Tom, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, so this, brilliant. This seemed like a good idea, right? Like if you were flying, wouldn't you want to be a part of like this large armada, if nothing else, just for the sake of a numbers game? If you have this many aircraft in the air, you're less likely to get shot down by enemy aircraft. I mean, obviously that doesn't end up happening here. They kind of get, you know, shafted and have to do this whole mission themselves. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I guess I would argue you know, by the time the first element's across, if you're in that back element, like mm-hmm. those fighter planes and the anti-aircraft are all waiting for you, which might make it terrible. And also, it doesn't seem like these guys know where anyone else is in the formation other than by <laughs> sight. And these yeah. pilots can't see below or really above them. So I don't know. It seems like a really good way of planes to crash into each other. But um, anyways... Uh, great moment here where they have like the paths of all of the flights and one is going all the way down to South Africa and Biddick like interrupts the briefing and he's like, uh, hey, sir, why does that line go all the way to South Africa? And everyone like laughs at them. But Biddick is right on. Biddick like, why? Why are we flying to South Africa? And their 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 ultimate point is like, hey, we're trying to vary our routes. If they see us coming in, they're going to be waiting for us when we come out. So we're going to mm-hmm. surprise them by sending you all. Um, and I was like, okay, makes sense. Um, and And they make a big point. What I didn't like about this, and I don't know if this is historically accurate. I tried to go back to the book to find this raid. But like they're they're all about hey this is going to be a coordinated effort between three groups and then it's like oh those two other groups aren't showing up let's go anyways I was like it's weird for the show to like emphasize that but then be like we're going anyways I don't I, I, and mm-hmm. once again I don't know if this is true to life um, but I found it incredibly frustrating. Well and yeah like that guy making the decision to send them on like seemingly a, a suicide mission but they were able to still accomplish it which is certainly a, a feat that was supposed to be with three big crews and then only this one ended up doing it so they proved it was possible because they successfully what dropped their bombs on this ball bearing plant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I've got a story to tell. I don't know if this is going to make much sense but um, in my job, I talked to someone in the ball bearing industry after watching this episode, and I brought up this show, and I was like, oh, you guys are popular because ball bearings were in this show, Masters of the Air. And the guy was like, oh, I have not seen that show. And I said, well, in one of the missions... I've got a podcast. They, <laughs> I did not say that. In one, of these, in one of the missions, they fly over to, to bomb a ball bearing. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, that was my company. They were... Goodness. <laughs> so he's currently with this company that obviously is a German company. I mean, I don't know. It's like BMW or any of these other German companies that uh, have some, uh, maybe a little bit of a tainted past. But yeah. anyways, I thought that was... Monopoly, I guess. The yeah. big, big ball-bearing lobby. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, what I thought was silly is... Uh, they have this like reserve command pilot and this is just Egan doesn't want them to go on this big mission without him. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's all sorts of things happening in this, which I don't know if the show is just trying to like overemphasize things or like Egan can't let these guys go into These guys go into danger without him. Uh, There's a moment where Egan takes over a gun on the plane. And I was like, 
I don't think so. I don't think the higher up is like kicking a gunner off of his gun just so he can shoot at Germans. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I found this all, all It's a bit showy, right? Yes, very yeah. showy, uh, but maybe it's true to life once again. Uh, the thing that kind of gripped me the most as you watch this is these pilots having to make the decision to bail or not. And mm-hmm. like, it's literally the decision of, okay, do we see if we can limp this plane along and like fall out of formation or blow up in the sky? Or do I pull the little red light and everyone gets out and we all, you know, end up in occupied, um, you know, where the Germans mm-hmm. are? I, I thought that was... I don't know that that's something I, I'd given a lot of thought to until watching this show. Well, and I like how they, 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 I think at this first episode or in episode three here, then more so in episode four, where they follow that that through line. And it's not just guys jumping out of planes and then, okay, they're, they're gone. They're not in the series anymore. Showing us what actually happens on the ground to these characters was beyond fascinating to me to see how they kind of, they have these choices to make to get smuggled out or to surrender and be a prisoner of war. Right. Right. And this is where we've seen Quinn who is actually helpfully a very distinct looking character. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also not a pilot. So we know when we're dealing with Quinn, uh, but he jumps out terrible scene watching. I mean, could they have named this kid a worse nickname Babyface? You're just like, oh, great. We're going to watch Babyface die as the ball turret gunner because they can't get the hatch open. That was brutal. Yeah. Uh, but Quinn jumps and leaves him, which no one can blame him. Just terrible. Um, Clevens loses a guy on his plane. And then were you surprised that Biddick went this early in the series? Because yeah. that actor is a pretty big name nowadays. Yeah, for sure. I would like him. His went down. I'm like, oh, okay, he's gonna go down, and then we're gonna follow his story. But no, like that that play went down a little bit too hard. He's he's uh he's gone. That's a bummer. I did feel they, they they've done this twice with Biddick's plane. One when he was flying into those cliffs, he's like mm-hmm. lower than the cliffs with no power, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna crash in those cliffs. Nope, lands in a field. In this scene, it looked like he was gonna clear the trees, and then they cut back, and he's in the trees, and. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, show. You are playing yeah. tricks with us with, with Biddick. But yeah. unfortunately, well, he... It will get to it. It will get to it in the end, right? But they also... I mean, a show like this, that obviously it's it's a war and there's a lot of characters kind of coming in and out, to get to, to have like a big character or a big named actor leave makes sense. But we also get, you know, what the other big guy, that we get uh, Austin Butler's character potentially going down too, right? Do you Do you think that's true do you think they would get rid of that actor or do you think he's just kind of mia and we're going to come back to him i'm I'm jumping ahead here a bit yeah yeah and that's in episode four so i've read the book tom so i don't want to i don't want to reveal anything um because i know what happens to all of them so okay um let's just say uh he let's just say clevens is the father of uh, paragliding, Tom. So you're going to mm. see some real <laughs> fancy paragliding out of that B-17. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, that's not true. He's dead. Okay. Um, here's what I did not like. There is... So obviously they're showing us this group just being absolutely demolished because the other two groups didn't show up. The plan's not going. And these guys have to fly all the way to North Africa, which seems like a really long flight. I don't think... Yeah. They're going to be able to nap or be served a meal. Yeah, no cocktail service. They do 
like a very cinematic, like slow mo. Like they almost are like, hey, this is how beautiful battle is. And it was like, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I didn't know what the show was trying to do. Like it is brutal. It, it people are are dying. And then during this, like, and and even the score is kind of like soaring. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what the show is trying. I, I feel like the tone was off from what the show was trying to do to what was happening to the characters. And then we have this slow motion, like dude's body fly through the air and go through the propeller. And I'm sure that happened in real life. But the way this is shot was, I don't know. I watched this and I was like, what are we doing here? And I don't mm-hmm. want this to be just a nitpick of the show. I'm enjoying the show. And they have a challenge to make like air battle look real, but I, I don't know. This scene took me out of it in a way that I, I I felt like it was like a show choice that didn't make sense. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like they tried to make it a little bit too poetic in what was kind of happening. We realized it was a very long trek, so they had to kind of show how they kind of persevered and how he said like, "Hey, we're gonna stay in this plane. We're like as long as this thing can stay in the air, we're gonna keep going to to North Africa." But I'm with you. I think that. Like it, not glorify, that's not the right word, but the way it, it, it positioned it and showed that one guy like getting hit by the, the wing I thought was, was too much. Took yeah, me out of it a bit. It's like the show is like, hey, we're going to show you a beautiful aerial ballet, like appreciate mm-hmm. it with the music. And I and it was like, no, 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 no. You, from a show perspective, have showed us how brutal this is and how quickly it all goes bad. Like, don't give us the soaring music and the slow-mo and the like, comical cgi body like the violence of that i once again i understand that maybe it happened in real life but the violence was almost comical in that moment which i don't Mm -hmm. feel like the show i don't know i felt like this scene was mismanaged which i'm not a showrunner but Anyways, to your point, um, Clevens is like, we're going to sit here and take it. We're not going to bail. His co-pilot is constantly like, I mean, these guys clear the runway. And his co-pilot's like, hey, should we bail? And Clevens is like, no. (laughs) And uh, you made the point. So based on what you just said, you just think Clevens really wants to visit visit Africa. He's like, listen, Mm -hmm. it's my dream since I was a boy. I always (laughs) wanted to see Africa. And then he does the elephant impression. He's like, And they're like, sir, we're flying through flak. Can you not do that? Um, he's just motivated to see Africa. That's why he doesn't want to bail out. It was pretty underwhelming. I thought they were going to get to Africa. There's going to be like a base or there's going to be somewhere for them no. to go. But no, it's like just the no. middle of the desert. Classic <laughs> military operation. There are not cold beers here. Um, I love that Egan Egan is like, he's like oh, I hope they're bringing this cold beer. And he was like, yeah, they won't. There won't be cold beer. I just, I thought that was great. Um, I like how we get the, the sequence too at the end where he, he has like the classic movie thing where he's like, don't put down the landing gear. Like, wait, oh, wait. Yeah. And then he puts it down. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, that felt very much a show like, hey, we need to kind of spruce this up again. And mm-hmm. once again, some of this stuff I would blame on like they chose a book that is so sweeping in scope that they're like, I don't know. These shows have got to be about the people. And yeah, I don't agreed. know that this book is like, 
it's got a lot of stories in it. It talks about, but it once again it covers such a large swath that it's difficult to uh, kind of piecemeal this together. But once again, mm-hmm. I'm still enjoying the show. I feel like this is like Ted Lasso season three. I'm like, I'm still enjoying it. Still enjoying it. Um, yeah. I'm sorry it's, that it's the different. therapist got hit than... on her bike by a car. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> anyways, it's just yeah, it's different than Band of Brothers. Like that's what we were kind of hoping for is getting that you know, following Easy Company, following a specific set of guys kind of all the way through. And really we're only getting kind of two from their perspective and all the other characters I think are more of a, a blur for me. It's tougher to follow their stories and get as invested, but still like beautifully shot. Like, again, I feel like all the, most of the aerial stuff was really good, good CGI. Mm-hmm. I felt like the CGI when they land in Africa is very poor. Like the background <laughs> looks incredibly green screeny to me. Um, but again, and, I, I know I'm nitpicking, and but I also, also do want to say, it, they also use it in the intro. So you're like, yeah, we've seen yeah. that shot like 30 uh-huh. times and it doesn't look better in the episode. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But this was another one that had one of those super quick cut endings. Like they kind of land and Ugh. they kind of talk and then it just, boom, it, it fades to black. Like they need to do a better job of finding, uh, some kind of yeah. conversation between two characters to 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 fade us to to black or roll the music and credits before you it's it's so there's not even a beat before it goes from episode cutting to like the next on and it, uh, very mm-hmm. strange um the only other things i wanted to mention before we get out of episode 3 is just like the idea of counting shoots as a plane is going down and logging where that plane mm-hmm. goes down um, and like the, 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 I think it's Crosby in this scene is like trying to remember, or maybe I'm getting my episodes uh, mixed up of, of where planes go down. And then the other is being 350 miles from land and ditching your B-17 in the water. That seems like the worst. Um, <laughs> apparently going from like England to France or Normandy, like the, the channel, um, which I think I might be wrong, but I think is only like 30 miles wide. Um, there was a really good um, mo, like the Brits had it down to when a plane went down, they would have a boat like going to get those pilots. So you were mm. like in really good shape. I feel like 350 miles off the coast of North Africa, that group of dudes may not be. Um, rescued as quickly so uh, yeah. as someone who is terrified of drowning and sharks um and taxes it feels like a terrible <laughs> terrible way to go yeah but let's roll into episode four uh episode four they they have gone native they're all like uh egan's got a, a fez i think is what those hats are called he's got the <laughs> The funny little hat, which apparently he actually had. I've seen a historical picture of him in that hat with his mm-hmm. major's rank pinned to it. Um, and so they are... I couldn't tell whether or not trucks were showing up to pick them up or whether or not those were planes and the dust landing. But somehow they're getting back from Algeria to uh, to England. We have this interesting moment with Quinn in Belgium... And he runs into his buddy Bailey. Once again, Quinn and Bailey, very distinct looking. I know exactly mm-hmm. who those characters are when I see them. They are trying to escape back to England. Um, I found all this very fascinating, that, like the Dutch resistance asking them questions and making them write this down. Tom, do yeah. you feel like you would have been shot as an infiltrator or would have you been able to tell them who Babe Ruth did and did not play for? 
<laughs> yeah, those are good questions. I've thought about coming up with a list of uh, America questions for you to ask, but instead of that, I'm just going to ask you to please sing the national anthem. I shall not. Uh, <laughs> I shall not. I would do a Kermit the Frog impression singing the national anthem, but I wouldn't want everyone to laugh so hard they fall off their dinosaur. So, um, the I don't Did know. Did we ever get why? Like, or how these Dutch guys figured out that Bob here was an infiltrator. Again, I love the way they did it because both Bailey and Quid were very fooled. They thought Bob was just, you know, a part of one of these other groups. But did did they say what he said in that interview to trip him? No, I don't think we got that in this. And okay. I've, I watched it twice and I didn't pick up on it. I'm assuming, I mean, like the way people write their dates, uh, you know, the baseball knowledge. Somewhere in there they found out that this guy was... Um, and I, I don't think they made a mistake. I think the show no, is trying agree, to show yeah. us how mm-hmm. ruthless they had to be because if their ring of sc- conspirators was found out, they'd all be executed. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we went from one show where someone got shot into a, in the face to another show where someone got shot in the face, uh, <laughs> and it's been just brutal face shooting all across. This was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, the way they did this was pretty pretty sudden, pretty brutal, but. Um, I mean, I feel like they're doing a really good depiction of like, hey, this is what airmen on the ground had to go through and what they were dealing with. Yeah, it was very fascinating. Like just to know, like my, my assumption was like, okay, yeah, they, they fall to the fall to the ground in enemy territory and then they're just kind of goners. But like knowing that they have the the ability to surrender and become a prisoner of war and like the guy even tells them like, hey, you'll probably survive um, but you'll be a prisoner of war for who knows how long, um, or you can try to get like smuggled out. And all the lengths that these people are going to to help these these down soldiers is incredible. Right, right, yeah, all because they want to get them back into the air so they can bomb more Nazis. Tom, your issue if you parachuted into uh, an occupied land is you're too handsome. They would immediately you wouldn't be able to like slip in and out as a normal mm-hmm. person. Everyone would stop you and be like, "Are you?" that famous model actor. Um, and so you would almost be caught immediately and shot. So I'm sorry. Well, to say. but I mean, I also have that tattoo on my forehead that says USA. So that's true. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good point. You'd have to come up with a clever cover story for that. Um, all right. We're back in England and captain die has finished his 25 missions, which means him and his crew gets to rotate back. This is where the show is trying to tell us how just terrible this is and how unlikely it is that someone finishes 25 missions. We went over the number last podcast in terms Mm -hmm. of what these guys' survival rates was, but the show does a good job of being like, there's 12 crews left of the original 35. Um, And with that, we enter, which Band of Brothers did as well. And I thought they did, like there's an episode called Replacements, which is about Mm -hmm. the guys that are showing up after they've taken losses to like fill in and this is quite possibly one of the worst positions people can be in is because you're showing up to like join these battle hardened dudes that have mm-hmm. seen the seen the elephant and now um you have to do your job and i <laughs> this like um this like rosenthal um this group of guys meeting egan and clevens like you kind of think egan and clevens are almost going to haze them a little bit but instead these guys are just like um they kind of like 
I don't know, show that they flew around naked in Texas. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I thought this was pretty funny, where he immediately is like, "Oh, you've heard of us? You know, we fly around naked." Like, I, I just, I don't know. I thought this was an interesting dynamic and went in a different way than I expected. Yeah, because the the assumption would be like th- that's how you heard about us because we're the guys that fly around naked because it was so hot in our plane or whatever. But it's like the opposite. It's like no, we we heard that you guys were good pilots and you're gonna be good in the air. So like they're just trying to give them kind of compliments. Right, and then they walk away and he's like, I can't believe I brought up flying around in our skivvies. Um, <laughs> but we get a little romance here, Tom. We get a little mm-hmm. romance of uh, Harry Nash. Uh, who, once again, looks like all the other actors with the pencil-thin mustache. Uh, he approaches Helen, one of the, I believe they're... Uh, the term the American is, Cross or Red Cross? Uh, I don't know if they're Red Cross or WAC um, or WAVE. I don't know what the abbreviation is, but it's like Women's Air Corps or... Anyways, um, I'll, I'll look it up. I'm sure uh, I am wrong in all of the uh, acronyms <laughs> I just used. Uh, but they dance, very sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like again, this was that kind of thing where even when they get together later, and he asks like for a donut or coffee before he's gonna like take off, they have a little moment. Like I couldn't remember it was these two characters. Like they they just blended into me. That oh, you did. And what's which, <laughs> and what's weird is there's only like three female characters. There's the woman that works at the pub. There's Helen, and then mm-hmm. Helen's friend. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about this show that makes characters difficult to and i think i only picked this up up on the second watch and in the first watch i was just as confused um the conversation i i also wanted to note was you know rosenthal going back trying to save a little face and he's just like hey to clevens and egan like any advice for the new guys Mm -hmm. and this is where i came to the conclusion that I don't find Egan charming. I find Egan kind of a jerk. Like, <laughs> he says these things, and it's, like, I think it's supposed to be, like, cavalier and charming, but in the end, it's just kind of brutal, and I don't know that I understand the relationship with Clevin and Egan, because Clevin is clearly the more, like, the nicer, mm-hmm. um, and Egan, because Egan's like, oh, make it to 11, listen, uh, 11 missions, um, because then you beat the odds. You're not dead. And it's just like, that's, I don't know. Maybe it's the cold calculation of guys just not making it. Maybe it's a little bit of callousness, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I find Egan less charming the more I spend time with Egan. Well, yeah, Egan doesn't uh, dance with dogs. I mean, some no. of the dance with dogs, like, I mean. Good point. Key to my heart. Good point. They, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> All right. Colonel Harding, I don't, once again, pencil, pencil thin mustache, dark haired dude, handsome in a uniform, uh, you know, uh, he gathers all the officers around and he's like, so in the book, Tom, they talk a lot about like the mental status of these flyers and like mm-hmm. what they went through, like how mentally challenging it was for them, how like a buddy you know, going on the same mission and then you get back and that buddy just doesn't exist anymore. They used to have retreats for these pilots to go on to like, uh, once again, like calm themselves and get back into the mental shape to do their job. Uh, 
I feel like the show condensed that all into this conversation. And and it's mm-hmm. this colonel being like, hey, the doctor thinks you guys are all sissies and that you're flack happy, and but that's not us, right? And we should load a uh, uh, B-17 up and go bomb Hitler. Like, I don't know. I Once again, I feel like the show taking on a larger um, issue is, is really like uh, condensing it down to this conversation and i didn't mm-hmm. i don't know i i, I well, uh, egan like pushes back at him right like he kind of is a little bit insubordinate or like even like hits him slaps him at one point but he kind of like laughs it off as not a big deal but they're kind of pushing each other a yeah bit. it's super awkward because egan's like because after colonel harding's like let's go bomb hitler egan's like you're flat happy and he like he kind of hits him on the shoulder and everyone is like just watching and i think yeah. egan eventually adds a sir in there but uh, honestly, I did. Egan was not in the wrong. This guy's probably a little bit drunk, and he's talking mm-hmm. nonsense. And he's not the one flying the missions, which I find <laughs> a little bit interesting, because I do feel like in the Army Air Corps, even someone like Colonel Harding would have gone on. He would have been a pilot, and he would have gone on some of these missions. Um, and the show has not shown him go on any of them. So, mm-hmm. and there's always. I mean, there's always going to be. There is always going to be uh, contention between the guys putting themselves in harm's way and the dude that writes it up on a chalkboard, right, and sends them out. But um, all especially well, after that, after that, you know, big armada that was supposed to happen, like he was the one that made the decision to send this this small crew on this mega mission. Sure, sure. It all is well because Clevin dances with that husky meatball, which is just a <laughs> lovely moment. And I wondered how much dog hair gone on his uniform. Um, we're Worth back. It. We're back in uh, with Quinn and Bailey. They're being led around by uh, a teenager. There's this moment where we find out that Quinn has apparently kept some love letters from the girl that he ran into when he first parachuted into town. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't keep love letters, Tom, because then the Nazis will go and kill that person and their family. That's a Valentine's Day rule. <laughs> Is that just because we're recording on Valentine's Day or that's what it's called? It's a Valentine's Day rule. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what it means. Um, this episode, so episode, most of the other episodes, like there was the air combat. It was kind of like lead up, lead up, lead up, air combat, end of episode. This one was different in the sense that there's no air combat. It's a lot of like them celebrating the the 25 missions and then Egan going on like leave a a day pass or two day pass to London um, where, uh, you know, the show is giving us some context of like what was happening in London, people from different cultures, all like that tried to escape the Nazis. So we have a Polish woman whose husband was shot down and I don't know, she makes light that he turned into potatoes, which was then turned into vodka. I don't, I don't know (laughs) if that's a funny joke or a terrible joke. Um, But uh, Egan is enjoying himself in London. uh, And it just seems like all these people are super sad while the world is in chaos and they're trying to find a little bit of comfort. 
uh, from each other as the bombs go off outside their hotel window. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that is just... I, I just I can't fathom like that happening where there, he's just cool, calm and collected looking at his balcony and seeing all this flack and like gunfire and like just fireworks happening out there. Like it's just it's crazy. It's it's dumbfounding. It is it is strange to think about. Um but I feel like Egan's the right guy to kinda of handle it well. Um and so he <laughs> Uh, and uh, I, I don't know that I got the Polish woman's name, um, but they seem to be enjoying each other's company. We'll just say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And they have a lovely view of the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Um, cut from there, the other romantic story is Harry and Helen. Um, Harry, very poorly, is like, you might be the last pretty pretty face I ever see. Well, guess what, Harry? Uh, things don't go well for you on this mission. Uh, and this mission is a repeat of them bombing the U-boat pens at uh, Bremen. Um, and so uh, this fixing do... the plane while taxiing seemed unnecessary. Yes? Yes. I was just about to say, I feel like they tried to dramatize these mechanics and the incredible work that they do to fix these planes. But yeah, none of this really needed to happen. It was so silly it's like oh we got one plane or two planes in front of us one plane in front of us and he like dramatically gets off it's it was a bit much can you imagine being on the runway of an air of an air and i i get the 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 uh stakes are maybe a little bit higher and these guys don't want to miss out on this mission certainly since clevin's the one leading it mm-hmm. but can you imagine being on the runway and the pilot being like okay we're going to slowly taxi because the mechanic's still in the engine he's trying to fix the overdrive <laughs> Um, which Tom, this was a moment I recently flew on an airplane, um, and realized we'd been sitting on the uh, taxiway for a really long time. The pilot came over the, the radio and he goes, uh, listen, folks, we're a little bit delayed. Uh, they tried to put a bunch of, uh, more fuel in us because it's cheaper down here than where we're going. Uh, however, now we're, uh, too heavy. And we've got to burn some off, so it's going to be about twenty minutes. So Jeez. I was like, I was like, what? And the pilot seems so disgruntled, so absolutely disgruntled. He's like, I don't know why they gave us all this cheap fuel. We're going to sit on this taxiway. Um, and then that guy must have gone, I don't know, Mach seven because we didn't land more than ten minutes late. But, um, anyways, I thought of. Uh, I thought of our mechanic fixing airplanes on the taxiway while I was sitting there waiting to uh, make my flight. But did um, the uh, did the door stay on? Yes, the door did stay on. No, Good. no issues Good. there. We made it all safely with all the doors intact. <laughs> all right, we have the train station scene, which, of all the characters in the show, I think Quinn is the one I relate to the most. Um, being in a foreign country, not speaking the language, being surrounded by Nazis, I would be the first that's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to run. I'm going to run and run and run. Um, and nobody's going to stop me. I'm going to Forrest Gump my way right on out of here. Um, but we find out, so they are being escorted by, Manon is one of the women that's, and then I don't remember the other character's name. I don't know that we mm-hmm. got the other character's name, but mm-hmm. their guides are two females that speak French um, and are going to escort them to Spain and then to England. 
Um, but I very much related with Quinn when he panicked and tried to run um, when the train guy was like, ticket, 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 papers. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was a bold play. I don't know if I, I mean, I get that he is a fish out of water here and surrounded by Nazis, but running doesn't seem like, I feel like you're, you're kind of pot committed at this point. You shouldn't be running away from Nazis. You should be listening to these incredible women that are, you know, handling these guys and, and trying to get them to safety. Oh, I agree. I agree. I thought you were going to go a different direction. I thought you were like surrounded by Nazis. You should listen to the Nazis. I thought you were going to go in a different direction, but uh, you no, went no. in the right direction. Uh, me, on the other hand, USA, as a USA. Sorry. as a coward, I would be like, "This guy's an American." I'd point at Bailey. I'd be like, "This guy's an American. Arrest him!" And then they'd be like, "Why are you speaking English?" And I'd be like, uh, "S'il vous plaît, uh, bonjour." Um, Je ne sais quoi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what does what does Bluey's dad say in the um, Pav Pav? What does he say? Pav Pavla? Uh, the Pav- anyways, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> this, this is not Watch the Bluey. Bluey's great. This is not the Bluey podcast that we want to make. All right, the return mission from Bremen. They lost eight planes, and we find out who went down. Tom. Yeah, he went down swinging, uh, so apparently lost most of their starting lineup. I like, I like how they do the, hey, they're just talking baseball kind of thing when they, he has to call from one of the Egan's the calling, London. and he's, they're going through mm-hmm. the code, the code words, and they're talking mm-hmm. baseball. But like we talked about earlier, right? So, so Clevin goes down, like, and I, it wouldn't surprise me in a show like this of of war if we do like lose a a major actor, but. For it to happen off screen just doesn't seem right. Like I, I would assume we're still going to see more of this guy. Yeah, what I would assume is they are going to dedicate the next episode to what happened to Clevens and Crosby because Crosby's our narrator. He doesn't come back during this one either. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do show us the debrief where all these guys are talking through like shoots and no shoots, and um, this is where we find out that uh, Harry Nash went down, and so Rosenthal has to tell Helen. Um, but yeah, I think. Once again, I think there are some challenges to this show, we'll say like logistically based on the book and the stories, that it's difficult to like keep cutting back and forth. And so mm-hmm. I think we're going to get this mission from Clevens and Crosby's perspective, I would hope, in the next episode. Yeah, um, like start the next episode saying like 48 hours earlier or something like that. Sure, sure. 48 years earlier. Um, and we're going to see Clevens and Crosby's parents making Clevens and Crosby. Anyways, they're not 48. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, once again, show cuts way too quickly at the end. It's quite silly. I don't understand who is in charge of ending a show and kicking in like what comes on next. Apple. I don't watch those. Deal together. Like, do you like, I know I'm going to watch this show. Like, Oh no, like I don't watch the next time, but it's just so okay. abrupt. It's like, you don't yeah. even have time to like a show. Like I'm trying to think how like band of brothers would have rolled in. Like they always had a pretty good transition and then music and credits. And you could kind of mm-hmm. like decompress and I'm exactly. maybe being too dramatic here, but this show is like, it ends so quickly and cuts to the next on that you're like, wait, what? I don't like, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any sense because it's a streamer. Like, it's not like we're trying to make it to the nine o'clock news. Um, yeah. So you got to hit your commercials. It's, it's, it's quite silly. Just silly. I feel like the, the podcast radio lab, which I think you brought me onto a while ago, they did something like the complete opposite where they would end a podcast and 
it usually would end it on like a question or a very poignant point, and then they play like an extended set of music. So like as you're sitting there like listening to the music, you're trying to digest and think about what happened. Right. I think this the, the show would would benefit from that. No, I agree. I agree. There should be questions that show up. They're like, how did this show make you feel? Mm-hmm. Would you like to listen to a podcast of two idiots talk about it? <laughs> Who do you think wins in the end? Go to FanDuel. Place your bets on who wins World War II. Same game parlay. Um, anyways, we're sponsored by DraftKings. Um, all right. I'm still enjoying it. I'm excited to watch all nine episodes. Uh, I appreciate you digesting this with me, Tom. Um, obviously, like, incredible stories. I think they're important. I just, it's going to be a show I'm going to watch all the way through, and then I'm going to give it a little bit of time, and I'm going to watch through it again. And, like, I'm going to keep watching through it until I love it and I can glean what I want from it. And, like, mm-hmm. I think after a couple – like, the issue with Band of Brothers and Pacific is, like, I don't know that I knew all of the characters the first time I watched it. Was it as mm-hmm. confusing as maybe I find this one? These guys have to do aerial combat. Everyone has to wear an oxygen mask. And, like, it's hu- it's a much larger group of people. So yeah. they've just got some challenges. And so I'm forgiving all of that and I'm just trying to – like appreciate the show for what it is and it is pretty fascinating to see them like bring these stories to life even if some of the cgi is weird but yeah no we talked about the beginning like some so many of these stories in this like war i think it's specific it's it's like lost on other generations to be able to like have this to see what they went through and what they did to fight for our country it's incredible so i'm with you like i'll forgive some of the misgivings and like maybe plot devices or some of the you know then the mechanic going into the wheel like whatever it's it's fine it's it's still stories that need to be told and i'm very very much still enjoying it sure and having read the book i'm sure there's probably a story where they're like and the mechanic was in the wheel well until they took off like (laughs) i'm sure i'm i'm probably off on that it's just the way the show like sometimes the show is like the show is taking something that is like peak drama, like absolutely these guys flying for their lives. There's no like worse enemy than the Nazis. Like these guys had an incredible mission. But then the show as a TV show is like, hey, how do we wrench up the drama? Let's let him not put down the landing gear until like the very last moment. Let's keep Have the drop guy. a bolt and then catch it right before it falls. Yeah, like, like uh, that kind of stuff. I'm like, hey, we don't need that. Like, mm-hmm. we understand the stakes. So, once again, and and sometimes like the truth and what actually happened is more fantastic than the fiction mm-hmm. they're making up. So, uh, I would like to be forgiven if all of this stuff actually happened and it's just <laughs> the show doing it. But mm-hmm. I do fe- feel uh, I feel like some of it is a little bit cheap drama based on like the backdrop of a very real drama that's that's mm-hmm. going on so agree um but still enjoying it you all can join us we'll do probably five and six we'll probably do this in two episode chunks um depending on our schedule or we'll just knock out the rest of it in one we haven't decided yet we appreciate you all for hanging out with us uh, you can reach out to us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. If you're a World War II buff and we got a bunch of stuff wrong, you can email us, but we probably won't apologize. Um, <laughs> Tom, what did I miss? 
Yeah, follow us on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at Team Binge or Team Binge Podcast. Let us know what you think of the show and some of our kind of commentary thus far. Um, and if you are enjoying our show, we're also covering the Night Country, uh, the new True Detective season. So uh, please uh, give that a listen as well. Yep. And for Team Binge, I have been Julian. And I am still Tom. We'll see you next time, everybody.